0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you tonight that we can be together in your house. We thank you, Father, that you have prepared for this moment. You have seen it long before we did. You know the things that are on people's hearts and on their minds. You know the joy, and you know the questions, you know the uncertainty, you know the you know the fear. And we thank you, Father, that you have dealt with it all. That your work on the cross was a complete work. The giving of your Holy Spirit, Lord, a complete relationship that we can live, enjoy, walk in, grow in, mature in. Thank you, Father, that you have left no corner unattended, and just thank you, Father, that we get to wake each day to discover all that the goodness that you put in our day, all the adventure, all the love, and all the kindness, and the mercy, the grace that's already built in. We get to discover it, Lord, as we walk each day. So thank you, Father, that we're here together now, your family. Just thank you, Father, that you have brought us and bound us together by the Spirit, you're a good Father, amazing Father. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we finished the book of James uh, two weeks ago, so uh, we're going to, I don't know where we're going to, uh, we are we're, we're, we may ramble and for a while and just stumble around a little bit, uh, but I want to Kind of blended into these chapters in James, partly because it was the topic from which God was teaching me, it was about learning to live in God's favor. And the reality that we haven't ever done much <clears throat> as believers to see the enormity of that favor, we kind of walk always in the shallow end of the pool. Yes, we know that we live in the favor. Yes, we know the blessings. But, but God so designed us to live in the fullness of that favor and that won't be experienced until we wait out much deeper. So that the favor of God, I know it's one of those topics that is, that is misunderstood because we have a, a connection to the favor of God means that all things in our life will be good well that's that is an absolute true statement. They will be good, but they won't always appear good because god or what God allows in our life by his wisdom could all be prevented by his power. That make sense yes. His wisdom lets us experience something that his power could immediately eliminate. So we know there's purpose in, in these things that happen to grow us because once again, I can tell you in so many situations where the lesson that I need to turn and share with somebody in need could not have been understood or shared fully had I not just walked with him in the place where I had just walked. A a question or a struggle, you know, one of those that again I use so often and just that with that clarity because it was so profound to me was I came into this very odd moment of depression and I didn't really, you know, when I I went to the doctor and it's like, I don't have a single thing to be depressed about. I'm not having trouble at work. I'm not having trouble at home. I'm not, it's good. But I was squarely in the middle of it. And it continued and it continued and it continued. I mean not we're not talking months and months and months, but for about six weeks to two months it was, it was like life was over. Cried all the time, slept all the time, tried to escape what my mind couldn't couldn't figure out and couldn't comprehend. And so it was terrible. And I I was up leading the singing one Sunday night, uh and couldn't get through the song service. Just the emotions and the tears just overwhelming me. So uh, Robert Edwards, a brother-in-law, was here. So he stepped up and finished for me. And I went home and called the cardiologist. And he said, well, I'll come to my office. I'll visit with you tomorrow morning. So I went over and did a stress test. He said, man, everything's fine. So we talked a little bit and went downstairs. And when I hit the back doors of his office, and it was gone. Fast as it came, it was gone. So I went back to work and again, as I've told you before, the next week this young man comes in from Odessa and I looked at him and I said, you thought about killing yourself this morning. He said, how'd you know that? I said, because I've seen those eyes from the other side. There's a look, you can see it. He was so amazed and I knew why I had walked where I had walked. Because there's no way that you're going to make much of an impact in some situations if God hasn't prepared you for the situation. I want us to deal with this question. Still continuing in the start of God's favor. Why did David know with certainty that he could defeat this giant, this overwhelming giant. How did David know? What did he know with certainty that would allow him to go into that battle with such confidence, with such faith, without fear? What did he know? Almost. That's not a bad answer. Because that was the answer he gave. That was the answer he gave when, when he's, they tried to, you know, say, can you do this? He said, well, I killed the lion and the bear. When, the, when God was with me, I've seen the result of what God can do. Great answer. But there's a moment before that that is even more certain. Why did Paul on this sinking ship Tell everyone that they were going to be okay. Well, I can say the same answer. God showed him that if you'll say this, do this, you and all this crew will be. Prophecies before. Yeah, what was the prophecy? Yeah. You see, it was prophesied over David. Let's read that. Go with me there. This is, Danny's exactly right. This is how David knew. This is what. David trusted. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Beginning with verse 11. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? he says, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now he's in this situation about to face Goliath. What does he have tucked away neatly in his back pocket? This prophetic reality. If God said, God established, God anointed me to be king then I don't care what the size of this overwhelming giant is. He's already defeated. Now, most of us look into the the faces of giants and we see defeat, our own. We see the overwhelming enormity of the challenges in our life, those giants that we all face, and we have a tendency to shrink back in uncertainty because of the enormity of the giant. Remember, we talked about this a little bit last week or two weeks ago. When the, when the spies went, in, went into the promised land and they came out and says, the, the people there are like giants and, and us, we felt like grasshoppers. What did they do? They took on the identity of the grasshopper. You see, most of the time we see the overwhelming challenges and we shrink back simply by the enormity of, of the problem when, when in the reality... I'm, I, when I look into the giant, I'm looking defeat in the face, not mine, his. David is not, when he's looking into Goliath's face, he's not seeing defeat, except in the, except in the reality of what's about to happen to Goliath. You see, we not only, just in a very specific way, need to understand the value of of still us receiving prophetic truth, prophetic words. I've shared this story with you before as well. When I was sitting in my office that day and Kate called and, and said that, I mean, in tears, she said, Dad, they found a the mass. It's the size of an onion. They're trying to get me scheduled for surgery as quickly as they can. Where do you think I went? Your daughter, this mass, like, man, here I go, spiraling, (coughs) imagining everywhere my mind could go what life would be like without her. I mean, you're, you're tripping through holidays and through, you know, life, and she's not there. But by early afternoon there started becoming these calls that were coming in. Two very specific ones and others in, in different measure. But these calls were coming in. this thing, granted, just the strangest thing happened. I saw Kate with, with little boys around her. So what did that do? It gave me a point beyond the surgery. It gave me a point beyond the diagnosis. And then somebody else called and they, and they said, I saw her, I saw her with boys. And it's like, so there's, there's this additional promise, this extension of it. And then several others, again, in some measure, began to anchor me beyond the question. And it's, I look back on it, and the life-changing reality within a few hours of what a fixed point in front of us actually means. You see, I don't, we typically look at our future again and say, I don't know what's out there. But we know somebody, and he's very close to us, very intimate with us, who does know what's out there. And according to the economy that we read in these passages, he doesn't mind if we ask him what's out there so that we can become anchored beyond our current questions. I was telling uh, the group in the board meeting earlier about a, about a song and I don't know, Parker, if you can find this song on there or not. It, the name of it is uh, the, God who, the God That Can See. Now, let me just tell you what it is. The God Who Sees. Uh, and I, I want the one uh, that when you open it up, it shows Nicole Mullen in the, on a desert. If you if you can if you can find it, so and we'll play it we'll play it at the end. But I, I was talking to them about this because, and uh, y'all y'all know me, so you're gonna be you're gonna be so shocked by this. Uh, I would listen to it and start crying. Now I know y'all have never seen me cry or even heard me even approach it before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stoic all the time. Uh, In the song, Nicole Mullen is singing about different women in the Bible. And the reason that it makes me, it just stirs something in me is because I know so many women who are waiting on the resolution to some question, the, the healing of some relationship, the outcome of some thought before, before they'll feel whole or okay. When, I was, when I'm listening to this song, th- th- my heart just rises in the fact that you don't have to wait for that situation to resolve. You don't have to wait for those outcomes. You don't have to wait for those relationships to be whole and complete and full of life and full of joy and full of love. Waiting on the resolution of some situation is' not it's, it's not necessary for us to step into the fullness because see God has a way of taking us beyond our question. He has a way of anchoring us beyond my uncertainty because i don't I don't have to be it doesn't my my uncertainty doesn't have to become an affliction now I bring this up because One of the things that, again, just in some of the revelation that God has been bringing, connected back with this, what God allows in his wisdom he could prevent by his power. I, I want that to just really register. What God allows in his wisdom he could prevent by his power. Now the question is, What's the wisdom? What? The testimony it brings you to, and helps you with it. That that wisdom he gives you to go through this problem, to give you his testimony can help someone. Else. Yeah, very well said. I'm just going to say it a little bit differently. You're absolutely right. I've shared with y'all, before I get into these other examples, I have shared with y'all many, many of of God's dealings with me. Because He had announced to me pretty boldly when I was about 20 that I would become a pastor, but I wouldn't become a pastor until after I was 50. I waited 30 years under that promise. But why do you think God knew that it would take those 30 years to get me ready for that which he could already see? But but that's God's favor because he wasn't about to make me a pastor before I was ready. We watch a lot of that happen. We watch a lot of pastors become pastors before they're ready And we see the outcome of that. But God says, 30 years out here, and I believe it took every one of them because he had pride issues to deal with me. He had arrogance issues to deal with me. He had this reality of this false identity of I'm poor to deal with in me so that I could actually stand here. And the other prophecy that was spoken over me When I was in Portland by this guy from Romania, his name was Val, I can't think of his other name, it wasn't like yours, I can remember yours pretty well, but long name, strange name, and he came and got me after the service was over, uh, and asked me if he could pray for me, sure, so I went over, kind of in a corner with him, and we're standing in front of each other, holding hands, and he begins to to pray in tongues. And I don't think at that time I'd really ever heard anybody that close and that personal in that moment. So he begins to to pray in tongues. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. It's even the words I can't understand are already ministering to me. But he stops and he says, let me tell you what, what, what he was telling me. He said, "I. He said, I see you, and you're stirring this pot. And I, I know. Again, some of these things are so hard for y'all to believe. But I was at one time known as a, as a stirrer of a pot. I could stir things up pretty good if I just you gave me half a chance. And but he said, in watching this vision, he said the bottom comes out of that pan and it becomes a tornado. Hmm." what do you think it takes to be a pot stirrer and a tornado? What do you think he had to get ready in me? Now, you, you you may not think that this is such a good answer, but I think it's absolutely wonderful. Two things, really, that had to happen. And I don't know if I can remember them both. Uh, I knew them both just a second ago. One of them was that he had to get me to a place where I really didn't care much about other people's opinions. He had to break me clear of wanting acceptance of men. You're not going to stir the pot long, you're not going to become a tornado if you're worried about opinions very much. I mean, that, that, that one right there was just such a singular focus because God knew what he knows about all of us. If he's going to prophesy over you that you're going to be a person in a position of extreme power, that you're going to travel in those circles, What will the favor of God have to do? If he were to say, okay, that's going to start next week. I can only speak for myself. I would walk into that situation and be so, and feel so inferior, a bit timid that, what he would want to do through me would very unlike, would, be, would be very unlikely for it to happen. That makes sense? So in the favor of God, he, he brings us into those things so that when we step into those moments, I'm not awed by what He's bringing me to. I'm awed by the one who brought me to it. so that I can minister in fullness in that situation and fully release all that He has and not be intimidated by the ones around me. That's the favor of God. He did it, and he did it remarkably well. God's favor recognizes who we, in our lacking, who we are in our lacking, compared to that which he sees. He sees he saw a preacher older than 50 years old. He could also see at age 20 what I was lacking. He already saw the finished work. That was already done. The favor of God says, I'm going to take the time necessary to prepare him for what I've got him established to do. I like that. And I watch, what, what did he do with Gideon? Now, we, we think, and I've taught this many, many times, uh, we know where Gideon was. We know, we know what happened. We know that this, he has this message, and he's called this mighty man of valor. And he, again, I know he, he's, he's hiding. He's afraid for his life. He's hiding. And I know when he hears it, he has to be looking around, okay, who's in here with me? Because that, those cannot be spoken about me. What was God doing? He was anchoring him to something that, that Gideon absolutely did not believe. So we think, and I and I, and I still think this is right. When he starts with thirty-two thousand men, fixing to go against an army of a hundred thousand, that God's bringing the numbers down: thirty-two thousand down to twelve thousand, down to three hundred because God wants us to not have any question about how mighty a God he is. And that's true. But if under this reality of God's favor now on Gideon and and God knew that Gideon was a mighty man of valor, who did he have to convince? He had to convince Gideon. And and we we read that story about all the things that, that God did. He wasn't trying to show us his power. He was simply trying to get Gideon to believe that you have been made ready according to that which I have already seen. That's the favor of God. He did the same thing with David. Here we read the story. He anoints him. Why didn't he become king? He wasn't ready. What did he have to do? He ran all over the country, afraid for his life, but never once dishonored Saul. Could have killed him many times. You see, God was forming in David this heart of a king, this one who could be king. That's God's favor. Don't be alarmed if God speaks something over you that seems like, God, there is no way for that to be true about me. There's no way that I could do this. There's no way that I could step into that position. There's no way that I could function in that group. There's no way that I can actually do that. And God's saying, I know. I see where you are. I know you better than you know you. I know that, that you don't speak very well. Okay, I'll send your brother with you. You see, God knows. He understands fully that which today I am not, but He already sees who I am and He loves to grow us under His favor under that wisdom that he could, you know, he could completely eliminate all those obstacles and I could sail into being a preacher and have nothing, and have never been prepared. I don't know if y'all realize that we get to worship inside a tornado every week, but we actually do. Yeah, cold air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always moving from hot air to cold air. The, prof- the prophetic reality. That's why, if, you know, I, I just cannot be alarmed at where, at, at where God is moving us all. I can't be alarmed at the what's next because what he's promised is what's next. You're going to get the privilege of discovering that which was overwhelming you I have already overwhelmed. I'm not trying to convince you how strong I am. I'm trying to convince you who you are. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.